Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Well, good morning, if it's morning where you are. Welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra and I'm your host. And I am excited to get into today's episode because today is a interview episode with someone from the other side of the world. So I'm uh, really looking forward to getting to know her uh, through this conversation and sharing a bit of her experience so that you can get some insights of what it's like from the other side of making career transition after the age of 40. Today we are talking to the lovely Patty House. Patty, how are you and where are you? Hi, thank you for having me on. I am doing great today. I am located um, in Saskatchewan, Canada, actually. That is such a cool sounding place. It's a pretty cool sound, a uh, pretty cool place to live, actually. It's oh. <laughs> bald prairie, but it's uh, it's it's lovely. It's home, I guess, is, is uh, the best thing about it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Patty, I appreciate you because I think we're at opposite ends of the day. I appreciate you making the time to have this conversation and share your uh, insights and story with us as part of this interview series. Knowing that this interview series is really about giving lots of examples and stories of different women who've made significant change, predominantly to go from a successful career into working for themselves after the age of 40. I'd love for you to just sort of set up some context for us. What did you used to do for work and what do you do now? So before I quit my job in my mid-40s, I worked for an engineering regulator. So they, they, um, I primarily helped um, internationally educated engineers get qualified to practice in Canada. And I did a lot of communication initiatives like rewriting website copy and writing emails and doing templates and basically just, you know, anything that was communication was kind of part of my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I am a conversion copywriter. So I essentially work with small and medium sized businesses to help them uh, sell their products and services in a way that's um, not aggressive, not super salesy, just, you know, helping people um, achieve their goals. Unreal. And I love the fact that you've got that distinction of that you're a conversion copywriter because there's lots of different types of copywriters uh, and they all generally are wanting to achieve something. But honing in on the conversion side of it, I think is really great. And I'm sure we'll find out more about uh, how that came about. So you're working with that, the engineering regulator and how long were you working with them or in that industry for? Um, well, I worked um, for 20 some years mm-hmm. um, working like the, you know, the typical nine to five. I'd worked at that particular organization for about five years before I quit. Yeah. And so had you always had dreams of working for yourself or how did that come about? I, I think I'm one of the few people who ever admits this, but I did not have dreams of, you know, owning my own business. Um, I felt like that was something that wasn't really attainable. You know, I didn't have entrepreneurial parents or family. So I didn't, you know, like when I grew up, 
um, you know, the best thing you could do is have a job with a good pension. That was kind of what my parents drilled into me that, you know, having a job with a good pension and good benefits is, is like, you know, hitting the lottery when yeah. it comes to working. So giving all of that up, um, to go all completely on my own was, um, you know, slightly terrifying. Yeah. And it's so good that you bring that up because I think I, I was the same. I never really had plans of working for myself and it's just sort of how things unfolded. Whereas I think for some people, they have always had that sort of entrepreneurial streak or, or something, but you and I don't fall into that camp. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can never put in my bio that I, you know, knew I was an entrepreneur from the time I put, did my first lemonade stand at yeah. seven. Like I could never say that. <laughs> Me neither. You know, so, um, I, and I think that that's okay. You know, I think it's good that people have different dreams and, exactly. and uh, different goals as they're growing up. Yeah, I agree. And so was, was there something that happened that sort of triggered you to go down that path of, of starting to work for yourself or how did that come about? So um, when I was in my mid 40s, I think I was about 44, my children, I had my children young. So they were, you know, my youngest child was like 15. And I kind of found that I just all of a sudden didn't really have much to do. You know, my kids could drive themselves a lot of times so they were <laughs> hanging out with their friends and, you know, they just didn't really need me. So I decided that, you know, I'm, I didn't want to take up golf like my husband really wanted me to. Um, so, so I decided to start like a blog. So I started this little local blog um, where I talked about like, you know, things going on locally and um, different restaurants and stuff. And my entire goal starting this blog was just to have something for my husband and I to do, you know, we talked right. a lot about restaurants because we like to hang out. Um, but that was really my entire goal. But once I got into it, I realized, and I feel a little naive about this, but I realized that there was this entire online world out there that I had no idea existed. I didn't know that there was all these people who were making a living as a writer, which was like my dream. You know, my dream had been for years to, to make a living as a writer, but I just didn't see how it could happen. Oh. So once I started my blog, it kind of like really opened up my eyes to the fact that there was all these opportunities online that I had no idea existed. Yeah, great. So really started, yeah. I, I love the fact that you kind of um, basically you started your blog or your, that led to your business instead of taking up golf. Yeah. I, <laughs> to this day, I have a real, my best friend is always bugging me to go golfing and I'm like, I'll meet you at the 19th hole and we'll have a drink. We'll have a drink, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but th it's another example of how sometimes when – you know, we get to, you know, what I call a bit of a professional crossroad of kind of going, what's next for me? And for you, it was lifestyle as well, it sounds like, because of the um, the kids getting older and not needing you as their personal Uber driver anymore. Um, yeah. That yeah. it, it was you then being curious about, well, what are the sort of things that I'm interested in or what do I need? And you started it with that kind of approach or lens rather than, oh, I've got this business idea. And I think it's great because there are lots of different ways that people end up, you know, working for themselves and creating a business and it's not just the one size fits all. So I think this is a really great example of, of how a different pathway that uh, people can take to creating their own business. Yeah. And I, I don't think I could have ever predicted when I started this blog that probably, you know, got maximum of 400 views in one day. Like that was probably my highlight. I don't think I ever could have predicted that it would, you know, send me in this, 
kind of trajectory that I would find all the things that I never even knew that was missing in my life, which, yeah. you know, sounds a little hokey, but I truly believe that, you know, this blog that's not even live anymore, um, was, I was meant to do that because, you know, there's, there was something that I needed in my life and it wasn't really the, you know, I didn't really need an excuse to go to more restaurants. It was more like, I need an introduction to this whole world that I never knew existed. Yes. And that's the thing, isn't it? That, you know, we can't always know going forward how things are going to go. But, you know, every step that you take leads you to knowing something that you didn't know before. And I'm a big believer and a fan of people just exploring things that they're curious about, things that they're interested in. I think there's a lot of talk about, you know, finding your purpose and, what are you really super passionate about? And I, I think that's great for people that do have insight around that. But a lot of people don't necessarily know. So then a good starting point is exactly what you've said, you know, looking at what are the things that you want to know about and, you know, you had this interest in writing and combining those that open up this door for you. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's been a great journey. Like I have zero complaints about it. Um, and I think that that was the way my journey was supposed to go. Yeah. You know, I, that, that this is, I'm doing exactly what I should have been doing probably 10 years ago, but that's okay too. Yeah. So you, you said you started the blog and it was really, you know, just exploring and sharing local goings on and restaurants and things like that. And, and so at what point did things start to get monetized or did you start to go, hey, maybe this is a, a business idea for me? Um, yeah, well, it was actually fairly soon. I would say within a few months, I um, got connected with some people locally who, um, who liked my writing and thought that I should, you know, take it further. Um, and I originally, I thought maybe, you know, of doing like content writing and quickly discovered that that was not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved, I loved the conversion copywriting process, which is, you know, it's one part science. So figuring out data, um, and then using that data to come to a conclusion. And then it's one part psychology. So, um, you know, taking that data and figuring out what really matters to people and, you know, figuring out what emotions matter to people and then it's one part creative writing so making whatever you write interesting enough that people want to keep reading and I loved that my kind of analytical brain just you know latched on to the fact yeah. that there is a scientific approach to writing and um, as soon as I found, found that out I was all in I was taking classes and you know just trying to really hone my craft. Amazing and I, I really love the fact that you kind of uh, develop this equation that really appealed to that um, scientific uh, analytical part of your, your brain. It's it's really great. And again, with hindsight, you can see that you know working with the uh, engineering regulator and the types of um, things that you would have had to be working on and in that role, I'm sure you know led to that uh, realization of your love of that kind of thinking. So everything right. that I think that you've done, even though you said, you know, you wish you, or you could have started it 10 years ago, everything that you have done obviously led you to be in that unique circumstance at the right time. I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, doing this when I was over 40, 
meant that a lot of things were quite a bit easier. You know, my kids were older, so I don't have to juggle, um, you know, trying to take them places or, you know, having to make sure I feed them and stuff. I don't have to worry about that <laughs> <Yes>. stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and I think too, when you're over 40, like you, you kind of know what you want. I think your, your internal radar is pretty, pretty honed. You know, you, you have a, a good grasp on what, um, you know, who are the right kind of people to work with you and who are maybe people you should just leave behind. And so I think that all of that really um, have helped me with my success. Yeah. And it's so great that you share that because I think there can be a temptation for, for many people, particularly women, when they get to that point, maybe they've been in a career successful for some time, but they've got some kind of, you know, inkling of, maybe wanting to do something else, whether they've got a particular idea or they're just feeling like what they've been doing isn't really working for them as much anymore. They can tell themselves, oh, you know, it's too late for me now. I'm in my 40s and I should have made the change earlier. It's too hard now. But I think hearing from someone like you and from others in this interview series that actually there's a lot of benefits to, to doing it at, at um, you know, a later stage. So I think that's a really great takeout for people to... Uh, to hear so so yeah when you had people kind of notice your writing and you started latching on to this conversion copywriting approach did you instantly see that this was going to be something that could become your kind of full-time income earner or did you think that it was going to be a side gig how did you actually make the the business happen whilst you were working well, originally, I think I thought I could do it as a side hustle, and I did do that for, you know, probably close to a year. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I would say I don't have the energy of a 20-year-old anymore, so, that you know, working seven days a week quickly got kind of old. Um, and I also saw that I couldn't give, you know, all the all the energy and really execute and implement all of my ideas if I was putting in 40 hours a week, Um you know, at my nine to five. So, yeah. um, I, I would say that my husband and I started having like the, the, the talk, the I talk, them, yes. like the difficult conversations of, <laughs> you know, I know we've done this for 20 some years, but guess what? I want to do something different. Um, and I would say that that helped start, those talks started happening within probably like six or seven months. Yeah. And so when you, we're making the decision about, hey, if I really want to go down this path, I can't do both. What were some of the factors or the criteria that you were considering about how you made the decision to make that move? Um, so part of it was financial. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to sit down and really see, like, can I make at least as much money as I was making, um, you know, working like a regular job? Um, because I, I, you know, that was one of the, the biggest concerns I had was, was not even for myself, but I didn't want my family to sacrifice, you know, their future because I was trying to achieve my own dreams, mm -hmm. um, which is really such a, such a female thing to say because yes. sure men don't ever think that or rarely do. No. Um, but I, but I was worried, you know, like, will I have enough money? My, my, um, son was starting um, post-secondary and my daughter was, you know, thinking about, about that. So I wanted to make sure that we still were able to, you know, do all the things we had already committed to doing for our kids. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you know, I mean, I I wasn't prepared either to like go back to eating macaroni for dinner every night <laughs> because I was too poor. Like I wasn't, you know, and and my husband has a good job, so I mean, I always had that in the background. But I think financial was was one of the biggest concerns for sure. Um, yeah, and just making sure that that um, that I was being thoughtful and truthful when I thought about, you know, how much potentially could I earn yeah. um, and not, you know, falling for the, you know, some of the kind of online gurus that say, you know, you can earn a million dollars in your first year and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. And I think the the money side of things is really important and it does come up in the interview conversations I've been having because it is a factor. And whilst very rarely does anyone really want to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's all about the money. The reality is that money is an essential part of life. And whilst you don't have to be money hungry or driven purely by money, it is a factor when you've got certain things in your life, whether it's lifestyle things, family things, financial commitments, you do have to, as you say, look, be really mindful of the financial implications of making a change to work for yourself and not fall into the hype of some of the, you know, the brochures that are out there in the world saying how easy it is. And look, it is easy to start a business, but there's a lot involved in getting it up and running and then profitable. So I think people really need to go in eyes wide open. And also it's not even just about you know, the initial part, um, but there's also elements around money of once you're in and running the business about the expenses, what's the running costs of the, of the business, and also about your rates and how much you charge and things like that. How did you approach your pricing when you first started? Well, I would just like to tell you, I'd like to just admit that I have so many money mindset issues. I recognize <laughs> it. I'm right. working on it. Um, I think that, um, you know, valuing what I, what I did, especially at the beginning was really difficult for me. Um, and, and I think I attracted not great clients at the beginning because I did have this money mindset issue, yeah. um, working really hard on that. And it's, it's come a long way. Um, but I think that, um, for me, one of the biggest things was seeing that what I produce actually has a value. You yes. know, I, I write something, I write sales copy for somebody and it helps them make, you know, 4.5 times more money than the last time they ran this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, that's easier, um, to kind of quantify your value. But, um, I think that understanding that, you know, everything I do, even if it doesn't have a monetary value, saves somebody time, mm -hmm. it helps them improve their brand like you know there's a lot of things that go along with it but yeah money mindset is is a bit of a landmine I think yes it is a big one and I and I do a lot of work with women around their relationship and results with money and it's it's fascinating the different ways that how we were raised uh, and what we heard and felt about money and how it can play out right through your life and so that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So the financial studies thing, but then, so when you made the decision to go, okay, you've had the talks with the hubby and you've, you've looked at things and decided, yes, we're going to go down this pathway. How did other people in your life react when you said, Hey, I'm, I'm not working with this engineering regulator anymore. Now I'm going to go and be a copywriter. How did people, you know, family, friends, etc. how did they respond to that? 
Um, I think I, I would say overall, I had incredible support. Um, you know, my friends were all supportive and what can I do to help? And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of online friends and they were also really supportive. Um, my husband has been excellent. I have to say he's, uh, he's a very supportive person, which is great. Um, because it's nice to be able to just kind of, you know, talk about things. Yeah. Um, my, my children's super supportive. My daughter, actually, I think I'd been in business for maybe about a year, um, full time. And my daughter said, um, she was doing this little interview with a friend for school and, um, they asked her who her hero was. And she said that her mom was her hero because I started my own business and I'm working so hard to achieve my goals. And oh my goodness, like I tell you oh. the tears flew when I, oh, <laughs> yeah. when I, when I saw that, but you know, I think that it's, it's, it really shows me that everything I'm doing is not for nothing. You know, I'm, I am giving my daughter who, you know, it's granted going to school to be a teacher, but I'm showing her that, you know, if she decides to make a change, she totally can. She can't yeah. even wait till she's in her forties if she wants to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm giving her, you know, and, and other women just this idea that, you know, you don't have to be super well connected. You don't have to look, you know, feel like you're an Instagram model or anything to just go and do it. Yeah. I think that is so fantastic. And it's amazing that you actually had that tangible experience of her telling you how much she admires what you've done, because I think it can be something that you um, can just skip over when you, rather than saying, what is, what is it that I'm modeling for the people in my life, whether it's my children, my partner, my friends, my family, it's about showing what's possible as well as you know, sending, sending the message that what you want and what's important to you is worth pursuing rather yeah. than, you know, just settling. Yeah, absolutely. And, and taking the risk, mm -hmm. it's, it's better, I think, to take the risk and maybe fail and have to take the risk again than to never take the risk and to do something that you don't enjoy doing for 40 years. You know, yeah. we work for a long time. Yeah. So it's, it's horrible to think that you're going to do something you hate for 40 years. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that's a big one as to why I'm so passionate about assisting women to make this transition in whatever way works for them and where they're at, but to, it breaks my heart when I think about and I see people do, spending all this time in their one precious life at a job doing something that doesn't fulfill them, isn't interesting, or worse, is making them sick or angry. Do you know, it just it makes me really upset. And so I just want to do what I can to get people to you know, explore what else could be because you do, we do spend so long at work. Um, it, it should be something I think that is at, at least interesting, if not inspiring to you. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I, somebody asked me once, they said, so like, is every day just like, you know, the best day? I was like, uh, no, <laughs> like not even close. I, you know, I still have, you know, days that are terrible and I, you know, just want to maybe have a nap or something for the rest of the day till the next day starts. But even my worst days are still pretty good days. You yeah. know, they're not, there's nothing that I would, I have never once regretted quitting my job. 
narrow oh, one. So good. good so good to hear that, Patty. And look, isn't it interesting? I think that when we are surrounded by people who are uh, employed, I think the perception of what working for yourself is is a bit different than what it, what it actually is and that there yeah. can be this, you know, vision of you, you just swanning about and having lots of cups of coffee and, you know, just casual chats with people and, you know, they're not necessarily aware of all of the moving parts that you have to be across and managing and dealing with um, when you're particularly uh, in a business on your own, you're not in a business where you've got a, a big team around you. Um, so, it, it, yeah, I think it's interesting when you realise other people's perception of what it, what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. So what about, you know, as you said, not every day is hearts and flowers and unicorns. What do you think are some of the challenges that you have faced in making that transition to working for yourself? Um, well, I touched on it already. I think mindset for me has been the biggest challenge, um, mm-hmm. not just money mindset, but just you know, multiple mindsets. I, I, I think I, you know, I grew up as a Gen Xer and, um, you know, working hard and, um, working 40 hours a week and working for a pension was all kind of drummed into my head. So, so just starting my business felt like it was kind of self-indulgent. And, um, I think that, you know, mindset has been, for sure, my my biggest challenge, mm-hmm. um, working hard on it, and I think that um, you know, getting over the fear of failure, the fear of success, becoming more visible, those are all those were all big challenges for me. But um, it fortunately, it's one of those things that as you work on it, it gets quite a bit easier. Yeah. So um, I think that um, you know, it's one of those things that I'm very very grateful that I have spent the the time working on yeah great and it's one of those things too that that I don't think people on the way in necessarily expect mindset to be a challenge because I guess it falls into that category of you don't know what you don't know Um, but over and over and over again I hear from people about the challenges of mindset I observe it in my clients I observe it in myself the 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 piece of the puzzle that mindset plays that in fact that impacts everything else yeah yeah it's huge and I and I have said for a while that I don't think that the people who are the most successful are necessarily the most skilled they don't necessarily have the best courses or the best products or the best really anything but they have managed to figure out their mindset and that's allowed them to push through all those really difficult things um, that come up for everybody. Yeah, and and that's so interesting too because I think as an external, you can look at someone that's achieved maybe a level of success that you aspire to, and in some ways you can look at what they're doing and go, well, that's not that's that's good, but it's not that much better than what I could do. But the piece that we're not seeing is the inner game, and I think that's the one that's it's an ongoing. Um, project because even when you get to different levels there's different mindset you know issues that can come up so it is one of the pieces that I think is is an ongoing unfortunately uh, rather than it you know I'll tick tick that box I already did that (laughs) it's it's an ongoing I think though it's it's unfortunate that you have to continuously work on it but I also think that it's a really positive thing because it's showing you that it's not you know, something you had to be born with in order to be successful. Like you don't have to, I don't, I don't necessarily have to be like 
a Pulitzer Prize winning author to be successful at my craft. And I think that that is really, really great news for the vast majority of us. You know, we can, we can work hard and we can work on our mindset and we can turn off that voice that just, you know, screws us up and we can still be really successful. And I think that that's, for me, that's really positive. Yeah. Great. I love that angle on it. I think that's a really good takeout. So what about other than working on your mindset, are there other things that when you look back that you can see that were key pieces of support that you needed to reach out for or to get when you were started working for yourself? Well, I think one of the other really big things for me was that I um, very quickly, um, like before I quit my job, I had, um, I was able to surround myself with other kind of online entrepreneurs like myself. Um, and I always had this great support system or mm-hmm. I could send a message to somebody who was living, you know, far away from me. Not, none of my online friends live anywhere near me. Um, and I could say like, I'm having a bad day. Can we talk? Or I need to talk this through with you. And I always had these supportive um, women, all women, who would, you know, they would drop everything to talk to me and I would do the same for them. And I think that having like a supportive community is so important. Yes, totally agree. And especially because for most of us, we're not surrounded by people that are in business and so as much as, you know, our friends and family might love us, they don't understand, you know, this, this sorts of emotional roller coaster or even functionally some of the things that you're trying to figure out. Uh, so by having uh, a group of people that kind of do get this entrepreneur world, this online business world that you can reach out to, I just think is invaluable. And I can't stress enough how important it is to try and find your people as soon as you can in the journey. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Find them and and hold them close. Do whatever you can do (laughs) to keep them happy because they will save your bacon. I don't know how many times, but a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely. In terms of the work that you do now, you said earlier that you, when you were doing the writing, you started exploring content copywriting and found that that wasn't for you and then got into the conversion copywriting as a sort of specific uh, niche. Do you work with any particular type of, of client or business or is it just it's the type of copy that is your niche? Um, I work with um, a lot of course creators, so a lot of people who create online courses. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I would say, is one of my biggest niches. Mm-hmm. Um, on occasion, I do other stuff, but those are, I would say, like my bread and butter I do like sales copy, like sales funnels, email copy, that kind of thing, all helping them sell their courses. Yeah. So I just want to reflect back. If someone's listening to this, they might be going, what? What is she talking about? So were these things that you knew about before you started doing this business or how did you even learn about what these things were? Um, I guess I I sort of knew that there was like online you know, courses. I had bought some in the past Mm -hmm. for like, you know, yoga and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I guess once I got into it, I saw there was a lot and, um, I sort of found myself working with more and more course creators, um, because they, 
they, I would work with somebody and they would, you know, have good results. And then, you know, the course creator community can be really small and they would ask, you know, somebody would say, Oh, Hey, I need somebody for, you know, for my launch and they would throw my name out. So I think that's kind of, you know, it was like a lot of word of mouth. That's how I, how I got more and more involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you do any training courses around copywriting specifically, or did you just keep honing your skills through doing? Uh, I took a lot of courses actually, like tens of thousands of dollars in courses, um, because I don't like to not be good at what I do. I think that it's, um, just something I, I don't mind failing at things, but I, I will fail on my own. I don't want my clients to pay for me to fail. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so I took a lot of courses and I'm still taking courses because I think that it's something that, um, you know, you should never take for granted. Like mm-hmm. learning all the time is, I think it's, I think it's really important for my business, but I think it's also just really important for my mind. So, um, so yeah, I'm constantly taking classes and, um, practicing. Yeah. And it's, it's great that you share that because I think sometimes we can be a bit hard on ourselves and think, well, I'm, I should just know this stuff, but actually when you're going into working for yourself, there's so much, whether it's technology or terminology, even like different approaches for how you deliver the work. So there's a lot of courses that are out there and I think that it can be great to just build your skill set and your confidence. And then there's also a line, I think, where sometimes, you know, I'm definitely identify as a lifelong learner and I've done so many courses. I wouldn't even want to add up how much I've spent on different courses through my adult life. Uh, And so I'm a fan of that. And also to be aware that it can be a bit of a trap of thinking, I need to learn more before I get started. And so I'm a real fan of that balance between closing the gap of what do I need to know in order to feel confident about the results that I can deliver for someone, but how do I not use that as an excuse to procrastinate or hold back from actually going out and getting my first client, for example, so that you know, you've know you got the two things happening rather than sometimes people get into the trap, which I think I probably did early on for myself of just feeling like, oh, I've got to do one more course before I start. I've got to do this other thing. But really that was just a bit of a procrastination strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And procrastination always comes back to mindset. So, yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I think that's where what you charge comes into play too, right? When you're mm-hmm. first starting, if you don't know everything, you're not going to charge what somebody who's been doing this for many years is going to charge, right? That's just uh I think that's just common sense. Yes. So I I think that um, it's okay to not know everything. I think it's impossible to know everything. But but if you're constantly learning and constantly trying to improve something, I think that's just really smart. Yes, agree. And a staged approach of your pricing around your level of experience, I think, as you said, just makes perfect sense. You know, to acknowledge that as you build your skill, your experience and the sort of results that you can achieve and how quickly you can achieve those results for clients, then that would be appropriate to be reflected in the sort of rates that you charge. So I think that's sort of built in um, to the way that you should be modeling your your pricing structure. So. So, Patty, if people are listening and they're thinking, oh, I want to find out more about Patty and the work that she does, where can they go? How do they get in touch with you? So, a couple of ways. I have um, a website, so 
www.pattyhouse.com. That's P-A-T-T-I-H-A-U-S.com. Um, I have lots of um, stuff on my website, lots of blogs uh, talking about, you know, different things related to copywriting and to marketing. So people can definitely go there. I'm also somewhat active on Instagram and that's just Patty House, P-A-T-T-I-H-A-U-S is my username. So people can go and hang out and, um, you know, see what I'm posting and I'm happy to follow back if they want to um, kind of stay in touch. Yeah, great. Fantastic. And I'll make sure to put links to both of those in the show notes to make it easy for people to just click and find you. Okay. So Patty, as we finish up, are there any sort of final tips or thoughts that you have that you think would be useful for someone who perhaps is a woman who is at that stage of thinking about starting her own thing but you know is feeling a little nervous or unsure anything that looking back that you think would have been good for you to know when you were getting started well I think one thing is to recognize that you're not going to have all the answers Mm -hmm. when you first start and and you should you know learn and surround yourself with people who can not only be supportive, but who can help push you to do everything it is that you want to do. Um, I also think that um, don't start your business unless you have like a bit of a financial cushion because you don't want to end up having to work with those, you know, kind of red flag clients that you really would never work with, except you got to pay rent or you got to pay your mortgage or you got to, you know, pay for something for your kids. Yeah. So I think, that those are, you know, pretty important. Yeah, for sure. And and the the financial thing is, and again, it's it's a it's a common theme because it's real. And having a bit of a financial cushion or a strategy around how are you going to ensure that you are going to have some kind of revenue stream to whether it's a savings account or uh, income coming in from something else to make sure that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself or the business to become successful and profitable straight away I think having having a good healthy runway is just it's just good business absolutely I agree yeah fantastic Patty thank you so much for sharing and making yourself available today and giving us your insights about your story I loved hearing your your journey from um, engineering regulator to conversion copywriter. I love, it's like, what? How do you do, how do you get from there to there? Um, But I think it's a great example of where with hindsight, you can look back and see, you know, that some of the skills and the experience that you um, had through your employed career translate over into what you're doing, but just in a a very different way or a different direction now. So uh, I think it's great what you're doing and, and I wish you all the best for your business growth for the rest of this year and beyond thank you so much for having me this was a really fun conversation for me i appreciate you having me on your podcast thanks patty so that's it for another episode of the transit lounge podcast but if you are at a point where you have an idea and you feel like the next phase of your work life is going to be you working for yourself then one of the first things that you really, really need to get sorted is the money side of things. And I'm not just talking about figuring out how much money it's going to cost you to get a logo or and a website done. I'm talking about you and how you handle the money side of your work and life. And to get you started on that, one of the things that you need to know is that there are actually five 
money zones. And these are five aspects of your life that influence how you think, feel and act around and with money. How much you earn, what you do with the money that you earn, how it helps you or holds you back. There's a whole relationship that you have with money. So if you're going to create a successful, thriving business that gives you the sort of freedom and lifestyle that you want to enjoy, then you really need to know what the five money zones are and which one of the five zones you need to work on first based on your unique situation in order to have the biggest positive impact on how much money you earn and keep. And you can discover all about the money zones right now in an easy five minute money breakthrough quiz that I've created that you can get your hands on right now at thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for you as well, but it's thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. And I really do encourage you to go and check it out because if you can get your money side of things sorted, then trust me, everything else becomes so much easier for you to start and grow your own business. When you don't have the money side sorted, it tends to be the fastest handbrake to your creativity and your business growth. So go do that now. You've got nothing to lose. Go do the quiz, figure out your money zones and go have a great week. See you next week.